You're listening to The Omni Show, where we connect with the amazing community surrounding The Omni Group's award-winning products. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we hear how Robbie Burns uses Omni software to get things done. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Omni Show. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and our guest today is Robbie Burns. He's a music educator, freelance percussionist, and technology specialist residing in Ellicott City, Maryland. He's the author of Digital Organization Tips for Music Teachers, published by Oxford University Press, and he speaks about music and education and technology on his podcast, Music Ed Tech Talk. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to it, and uh, this is an awesome show that I listen to regularly and always learn new stuff from it, and I'm honored to be here. It's our honor to have you, Robbie. Now, that intro was wide and varied, uh, everything from podcast host to book writer to blogger uh, slash music teacher. Do you mind giving people a thumbnail sketch of what you're currently up to these days? Sure. Yeah. So like I definitely have my hands in a, a lot of different things, but I think the part of my professional responsibilities that are the things that most people relate to is that I'm by day, I'm a full-time middle school public educator teaching band here in Howard County, which is our district, Howard County, Maryland. I do teach some general music too, which is more of a performance and project-based curriculum where we're juggling different instruments and some music theory and history and, and other things. But the most of my tasks in that role involve running like with a co-director who I work with four different bands that perform numerous times throughout the year. I'm working on a music team of four. In my spare time, I have a pretty big percussion private teaching studio here in my home. And uh, I teach private students from elementary through high school, sometimes younger, sometimes older, but usually students who are in this same school district and looking to develop their skills on that. And then just for extra bonus fun, I do some presenting, writing, blogging, podcasting. I wouldn't say like always the combination of music education and technology, sometimes one of those things, sometimes two of those three things, sometimes is where they all meet for me and uh, the workflows and ideas that I've come up with by exploring technology in a deeper way. Robbie, I am really glad that you've mentioned that. And it's a little bit of a rabbit trail from where I'm headed, but I would love to hear some of the ways that you've been able to assist people in the broader scope of technology, but also in the smaller slice of technology's interaction with music. So that's an interesting one. When I present at music education conferences, I'm typically presenting in areas of the spaces where other people are presenting on the same topic. And a lot of my colleagues who are presenting on this are really dealing with student-facing technology music technology as the vehicle for making music. In a band, we're a performing arts situation. So it's a lot different than doing project-based work where you're making digital music using digital tools. That's not really the core of what I teach, but it is what a lot of people associate with music technology. They think of it as that's what the students are using. So there's definitely been more of that in my teaching life as our general music curriculum has put more of these tools in front of students. But my own personal journey starts really with just personal productivity and being a graduate student looking to try to like deal with all of the things I'm being asked to do at once. And kind of I just, you know, remember like doing research and writing papers that were far beyond the scope of my own comfort and just thinking to myself right around the time that the iPhone was starting to take off, just thinking to myself, like, how do I find things that gather all this information where I don't have to just be like, this is right around when like Gmail started to become also more widespread thinking like, how do I just stop emailing files to myself to have them, whatever screen I'm in front of? And how do I get cloud-based apps that are really good at wrangling first information, but then later tasks? As the iPad entered into my life when I got my first teaching job 
and sort of became like a digital piece of paper for sheet music, amongst other things, I kind of more and more wanted all these devices to just be different windows into the same information. I mean, we could, the second brain is what a lot of people like to call it these days. <laughs> I just started that book. That's so crazy. You said that uh, looks really good. Yeah. So is that the larger context within which you came across the Omni Group? Tell me more about how you did come across them and then maybe some of the things that you've been able to accomplish with the software. How I came into it was just sort of looking for this software and finding out what people are rumbling about on the internet. And around 2008, maybe, is when I started using Evernote and Dropbox and some of these other web-based workflow kind of apps. And then I, you know, I remember walking into an Apple store around that time and, you know, you could still like buy a lot of box software back then. And uh, yeah, they just had... I think it was maybe Things or one of the other one of these other like native Mac apps that was in. And I remember trying some different task apps at the time, and To Doist was one, and um, a couple of others. And you know the Reminders app couldn't do much at the time, but I just remember around that same time becoming aware of OmniFocus and reading, getting things done, and trying to explore. Like, okay, what can I lift with this power tool? And then just going from there. I mean, the, the further I went, the more I got connected to the places online where I could learn more about productivity software and workflows. And then it just, the rabbit hole goes deeper and deeper. And I surround myself with the voices that hopefully challenge me to look at things differently, but also affirm the things that I'm trying to do and uh, finding the software that best fits my goals. You mentioned OmniFocus. At the roles level, what areas do you find yourself managing in OmniFocus? Is the student slice a part of that? Doing school or coursework? How does that look for you? Yeah, it's not so much research. I kind of wish I could be a student full time and have all of this software that I have now. It was just like the tail end of my studies that I really started to use computers to do the lifting more for me. So now it's just really like split up into lots of domains. I mean, my OmniFocus is a little nuts right now. I know some people don't believe in having this many concurrent projects, but I, I try to keep them really small. I interpret projects as things just with a couple of tasks can be a project. And um, the, I'd say like the main domains have got some personal things, you know, some family and financial housework related things going on. My Howard County public school system involvement is obviously my role at Ellicott Mills Middle School, but I also co-direct our middle school GT Honor Band with another director. And that's a pretty, that's something that I think of as how many people look at a project more traditionally. It's a little bit more sequential. It has clear, you know, there are things that happen at certain times in the year. There are things that happen in certain contexts at certain locations that depend on other people. Then my private studio, and then like a handful of other things that really fit more into that more linear model are like producing podcast episodes, preparing presentations and traveling to give them I'll fit under that. But a lot of my OmniFocus projects are actually just single item action lists, areas of interest or focus. There's kind of always a rotation of tasks that are due, but I can do them whenever I want to. So the structure of the list, the goal of the list isn't necessarily to get the things in the list done. It's just the items flow in and out of that. Yeah, I would say so. And I think what OmniFocus is great at doing because of how much you can customize what you're looking at and in the order you're looking at it. I try to design my system around like, how do I just always have the thing in front of me that I'm supposed to be focusing on? It's usually based on like what time of the day it is, like when I need to have it done. So I'm in the forecast quite a lot in OmniFocus, but also sometimes I'm using some sort of contextual tag. I don't know, one little small but helpful thing for me is if I've got a bunch of different things to photocopy and they're not necessarily related to 
like if one of them is like an honor band thing and one of them is just my school band, I can tag them both photocopier and then I save myself all these extra trips to the photocopier because I forgot I really just needed to hang out there once. Now, whenever somebody mentions that they're doing more than one type of software, I like to do a high level just to hear you know more about what they can accomplish with each. You mentioned Omni Outliner is a part of your process as well. Uh, what are you able to do with that and, and how does that look for you? Yeah, Omni Outliner is awesome for just kind of thinking about things because my brain does not think in a straight line. A lot of my ideas, particularly when I present them, they have to meet the public at some point and have a logic to the way they're structured, which usually is obvious to me, but I don't think all of it out into being in that way. So I'll typically start with something a little bit less linear, like a mind node is a tool that I've used quite a bit. And that can actually export its map into a file that Omni Outliner can open. And then I, and that's really great to like drag around things and reorder them in the actual sequence that a person would most benefit from the information. And I didn't actually say what I do with it. So like anything from lesson plans to curriculum development to like presentation. I wrote my, my whole book started as an Omni Outliner file and then I exported it to Scrivener where I've kind of fleshed out the text. That is so cool. And you mentioned OmniGraphle as well. How do you utilize that software? A type of document that I spend a lot of time with in the band and actually in the general music environment too is a seating chart. We have some web-based tools that are designed to be like your one place to go, but they're really, education software is, is pretty sad. <laughs> it's pretty sad out there. And so in the classroom, I need to collect a lot of really fast informal data, you know, almost as fast as like someone just realizing they need to print an extra copy of some music for a student and like writing it on a sticky note, you know, that level of speed without necessarily taking my mind or my eyes off of what I'm currently doing. And so I needed a way to, you know, have a seating chart that wasn't going to make me think about the computer. So I designed one that looks the way that I read a seating chart the fastest with really nice shapes and a layout that's color coded by instrument. Whenever I edit it, I export it as a PDF into GoodNotes app on iPad and it takes up half of my screen is like the seating chart for annotating and taking notes on the day taking notes over top of students' names on the chart. And then usually the right side of the iPad screen is an app called Fourscore, where I manage my sheet music library. I read my music from it. And then in SlideOver, I change up what I'm actually reading my plan in. Right now it's a text file for reasons we can talk about. But what I have done in the past is Omni Outliner is sometimes itself the sequence of what I'm going to say, what I'm going to rehearse, things I want to stop and work on in the music. And what makes Omni Outliner especially good at that is it you know, this is like on a music stand fairly far from my eyes. And because of the customizable styles, and I can just make the text really big and I can have every level of the outline be a really vibrant and contrasting color from one another and just make it this thing that I can read from really far away, even though it's a small window. I really do appreciate how your brain kind of moves from the analytical to the sequential back and forth pretty effortlessly. And there's also a zoom in and a zoom out of the uh, the context factor there that's really cool to be able to see you travel through all the different areas of knowledge work and just figure out, okay, what software best speaks to the way that I want to present information right now. Move over to OmniFocus for me. Talk to me about what do you have as a first bit of advice for anybody that's just getting started with task management? Maybe they're overwhelmed by their commitments. Maybe they're not yet sure how to best present information to other people. Uh, just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So like music teachers in particular are already overwhelmed by a lot of different kinds of responsibilities. It's not just this glorious, inspiring thing where we're like on the podium and like making connections with students. That's what we're working towards most for that to be the biggest part of the pie. 
which is actually my core philosophy about personal productivity technology is that it can, when I, when it works in my favor, when I get it set up just right, it can fade out of the way and get to that core thing. It's like why I do what I do. When I'm sharing these tools with other people, I mean, typically people learn things slowly. Not everyone is as committed to staying afloat on these things as I am. So I'll, I'll try something for notes, something for tasks. I mean, most people can relate to the idea of this task slipped through the cracks. It's not just the inspirational teaching. It's the lesson planning. It's the financial planning, the field trip planning. It's the sometimes you're composing and arranging. Sometimes you're a data clerk. Sometimes you're, you're just like juggling all these different musical and educational skills and logistic skills that have to happen concurrently. And everyone knows that feeling in teaching where you just, you missed a deadline. And there's no software that can make you be perfect at catching your deadlines. But I feel like when you think about things in an out of sight, out of mind kind of attitude, like you're not looking at the task until it's actually something you're responsible for, then that just frees up your mind to be focused on so many other things. And then ensures that you don't actually miss the task. And there's a lot of task apps that will do that. I mean, OmniFocus really scales very well. That's what I know actually some colleagues of mine who will just say, give me one to do app, one note app, and I'm good. And if OmniFocus is something that resonates with someone, like I know people who use it closer to how I do. And then I know people who just leave everything in the inbox. They just give dates and or drag around and reorder things and tag things and occasionally go into a tagged view or like will not get into here's a, a bunch of projects with sub projects and, and all that. So some of the things that are most powerful about it are actually, I think, some of the easiest things to do with it. For example, I can't think of another tool where making and working with a project template is as easy to do. OmniFocus has the task paper syntax. And every time we do a concert, I just have a drafts action that will run on, like I've got a little drafts folder, or they're kind of separated by tags in the drafts application. But I have all these pre-built templates that I run and I just tell it a couple of parameters, but one of which is the date of the concert. And then every single thing I need to do for that concert, it just doesn't show up in the forecast until first the date I should start working on it. And then later the date that things go bad if I don't do it. And that's pretty helpful. Most teachers can relate to that. I think any task system that's going to help you at the least juggle things in a time-oriented way. And then for notes, this is another great thing is because OmniFocus, the notes field takes rich text. A lot of people I know don't really want to have this distinction, I personally do want to have like a note thing and a calendar thing and a task thing, but some people will actually just have the entirety of their information just be in the note associated with the task. <laughs> For our audience, I'm, I'm nodding my head vigorously here. That's me. I dump it all into OmniFocus. Yep. And I get that. So definitely tell me about the other slices of the workflow. You know, some people have it all kind of in one spot. Other people have it as just this is one link in a much larger chain that helps me kind of get it all done. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm using a lot of applications that are natively designed for iOS and the Mac. And a lot of these applications have a feature where you can somehow generate a deep link into some sort of bit of data. There's not as consistent an implementation. Like Apple does not, to my knowledge, other than maybe Siri can like remind you to do something that you're looking at on your phone. Other than that, I don't know that there's like a really consistent way that applications can or should do this. But all I know is that everything from Apple Mail to Fantastical to DevonThink, Craft, like a lot of these tools can have a keyboard shortcut that says, whatever I'm looking at, give me a link to that. And then OmniFocus ends up having lots of attached notes that are just links out to other things. One great app is called Hook, which can take nearly anything you're looking at on a Mac and just give you, if, if there's no link to it, it'll make one. I'd say like Mail is the communication tool, Safari for web browsing, Fantastical 
really great for calendar management. Devon Think is good for storing. It's kind of replaced Evernote for me. It can take anything I throw into it from web to files. Lately, Obsidian and Craft are things I'm using a lot of. I haven't 100% nailed down which is for which or if I need both, but I've <laughs> just, I use them both very similarly in that I really like this idea of having a note that's associated with the day. And then a lot of the stuff that was making my OmniFocus list really heavy, stuff that didn't really need to be on my to-do list, but in the moment it felt like, oh, I don't want to forget this. So I, I've got to write it down, might as well put it there. Some of that will just get worked out in the daily note. And then the daily note can sort of have links out to other notes that are in the same system, but that are like related to projects I may have worked on that day. Craft is the interesting one because of it's good at it is like sharing the data on the web. And it's also very collaborative. I've convinced my whole team, this is probably outside of the scope of this conversation, but my whole team is now like we're all using craft. We've basically created a bespoke an assessment tool that is a sequence of songs for every instrument that the students work through at their own pace. So no one is being graded or judged on the same criteria. Like everyone is moving at this independent level where they're doing just the next thing that's right for them. And then we have these special notes that we've shared with them where they can actually have qualitative feedback from us about what to, how they did on each performance that they've done and how to improve the next one. And because this whole system is built in craft, which is this PKM app with all these backlinking features, everything is really easy for them to get. So if they see that I played song five on this date and got these points on the criteria, well, now all they need to do is just hover their finger over the song title and then it'll just launch them straight into that song titles entry in the system, which has sheet music. And <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. We're trying to demystify it and have zero friction between them and playing their instrument. Because sometimes taking it out of the case is the biggest step <laughs> for them. Even for me, as you know, as someone who knows how to approach their instrument and practice it, I mean, transitioning into doing a task is sometimes the hardest thing. So if we can take away steps, like one of the steps they said was, well, we don't always 100% know what we're supposed to be working on. Oh, well, we can just give you a special place on the internet where we tell you that. And then, you know, because craft can kind of also take different types of media, I can put resources in there. I can drag a YouTube video with maybe a demonstration on their instrument straight into that. And you know, that just all publishes to their note. And, and this is, of course, these deep links into the craft content can be referenced inside of tasks that I might have to do in relationship to them. If I need to update, maybe like the, the other day I had the play along track for one of these songs was in the wrong key. And I just so I really quickly generated a link into that song because each song is sort of its own document. And then I linked that to an OmniFocus task and then categorized it as necessary. Okay, that is a really cool workflow, you know, being able to build this assessment and feedback loop and then just ha have, you know, elements of it just dump into or elements from OmniFocus be able to inform those elements is really neat. Tell me more about the perspectives that you use in OmniFocus. You mentioned forecast and, and living by that because information is coming so fast. Are there any other ways of looking at the data that you find super useful? Yeah, I do. I have a few. So the first one that I have that I use fairly often is called priority. I think most OmniFocus users who get into perspectives have something like this, like the today list is looking nuts, but I don't have time to like review in the way I need to, you know, just, this is like the I'm behind or, or like, this is a, this is a week <laughs> one. And I use, I use defer dates a little differently than, you know, I mean, fortunately OmniFocus is very flexible, but I think the getting things done methodology to some people, like the idea of a defer date is a little different for me. It's like, I, this is something I can be working on for some, I think it's, this is when it becomes available to me from whereas for me it's i intend to be working on it today that's why i want it to show up in the forecast so i'm pretty generous with giving the defer date 
when the today list gets a little bit, you know, in the forecast gets a little long, I have another perspective. This is the priority one. And it just basically says, is it due soon or is it flagged and tagged today? If so, show it to me all in one place. There's usually never more than four or five tasks there. And that's on a crazy day. So that's a good one. I built like a, like another layer of this, which I'm fortunately, I don't have to use this much lately. You know, sometimes the application informs the process and adds a reflective element because OmniFocus in some ways is really flexible, but it's, I think it's opinionated in others. And some of the opinions of OmniFocus that come through really challenge me to think about, like, okay, if I'm creating like a priority list, do I have a way of better managing how evenly spread my tasks are <laughs> throughout the week? Does that make sense? I try, like, I try to not really be in the priority, even though I made it <laughs> with the tools that are offered to me. So this next one is an iteration of that, where if I'm like, okay, I only have the bandwidth to think about two or three things today, it's called top three. And I give it a tag and then that's it. I just have one perspective where I don't allow myself to put more than three tasks in that perspective. Uh, and that's for when I just absolutely can't deal mentally with the amount of little circles <laughs> showing up in the list for the day. So I'm getting a little better at managing that. One good one I have is called teaching, which is really simple. It just looks at all remaining tasks inside of a folder I have, which is a folder of all of my projects for the Howard County Public School System. So curious about the priority perspective and the top three perspective. If this were like a Venn diagram, is there always crossover between those two perspectives or are sometimes the top three things that you're working on, not necessarily even your priority, but it's just, I got to get them done. Sometimes. And there used to be a website, which I wish I could remember the name. And it was just this really simple web app with three empty lines. And you could just type into it just three things. <laughs> Sometimes a long time ago, I would just close my task app and then like just type in three things and then have that all be out of my way. But I was, I, you know, I figured it was like, all right, I don't need to have multiple, this many tools do this in OmniFocus. So that was the idea of having the perspective. You know, Rambi, as you're sharing this information about your journey, I know that there's people who maybe aren't as far along in their journey as you are. And you've had some great first tips for advice for maybe where to get started. What about the reverse of that? Is there anything that in your journey, as you look back, you'd say, I don't know if it's a mistake or a misstep, but doing it over, I don't know that I would do it over again the same way that I've done it. And you can avoid some maybe potential heartache or, or whatever uh, by not doing it this way? That's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm guilty of what a lot of people who listen to this program will identify with, which is the fiddling, tweaking the system. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting better at that because I'm actually, now that I have a kid and I've got all these different responsibilities, I'm really starting to value. I wouldn't say like sticking with things just because they're the things I've always done. Cause I still am itching to always learn new things and stay on top of what's out there. But I am learning how important routines are for me to function on a more consistent level. And sometimes that means just having sort of a baseline of what are the things I can expect of myself every day. What eventually happens is when that bar of what I can do gets higher than my like bad days become like eventually better than my good days 10 years ago. I read the Atomic Habits book over the summer. That was actually, I really, it's funny you said you, uh, you were reading Second Brain. I, um, I read that over the summer. So I, like, I just bulked up on productivity books I had been sleeping on over the summer. And the, really one, the ones I really liked were Atomic Habits probably resonated the most. And then the other one I read was Dan Charnas has a book called Clean Work, which is like applying the principles of mise en place, like in the culinary world, to everyday personal and work life. And this idea of just sort of like ha everything having a place. 
has been sort of instructive to me. But the atomic habits thing, it's like it kind of just gives you some ideas and it's, you know, just some like really interesting ideas about how to sequence, slowly change what your default behaviors are over time. So I'm just trying to like put enough of those things in place where I'm like reasonably happy with the things that my body will just sort of like go into just by repetition. And so that more of those things are just sort of comes down to like, there's lots of ways that can manifest itself in my band classroom. I really want to be focused more on giving positive, really good behaviors in a way that orients my students towards what I want from them while like de-emphasizing every negative thing. There's two ways to say what is good posture when you're playing an instrument. I can tell you your posture is bad right now, or I can praise like seven kids who have really good posture. I stole this from our orchestra teacher. He also uses OmniGravel for his seating charts. And we now actually print a copy of the seating chart every day. And one different kid in the class every day has a green Sharpie and a copy of the seating chart. And they're basically putting dots on positive instances. So that aspect of, okay, I want to be someone who my students feel, being in band feels good. So I have to make a habit, even on my worst day where I feel I got no sleep and I feel so terrible, most of the comments out of my mouth are somehow positive to them. (laughs) That's so good because I just feel like I've had like this epiphany here where we're always doing something like people say I can't build a habit. Well, there already is a habit, you know, inconsistency in and of itself is a habit. And so in that sense, there's always, you know, there's already momentum. Sure. Like people think of habits as you have to, this was kind of in the book. I don't know. I'm maybe paraphrasing, but you have to like form them because let's say you have a bad habit, like you don't floss your teeth or something. You have to form, it it just seems like so much work to form a habit of doing something like that. And so you think about this, well, actually I've already formed the habit of not doing it. If I can just actually flip it, (laughs) then I've, I've used my body's natural rhythm and I guess aptitude for routine, but to do something that's healthier for myself rather than to not. Robbie, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us. How can people connect with you if they're interested? Sure. Yeah. I mean, my website has uh, a lot of things on it. RobbieBurns.com. It has where people can learn about me as a musician and a teacher. Uh, on, on that same site is a link to the blog and the podcast, which you can actually get straight to through going to musicedtechtalk.com, which will take you to my blog, which is where I also publish the podcast episodes. It's available in any podcast player of choice as well, where people can go listen if they want to hear more of my voice for some reason and want to, you know, and, and other people too. I do, you know, it's a lot of times the episodes are interview are, are conversational in tone. And, you know, my book is out there, but I'm also, I'm doing the social media. I'm not a super poster, but I'm there for the conversation, you know? So Twitter is a place that I'm spending some time. I am on Instagram and Facebook and Twitch and all these things. And, you know, I would love to connect with anyone who wants to do more of this. Like I said, I could, I could talk about this stuff all day long. And um, the internet gives us this connection here, like this channel to each other. <laughs> That's right. And, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, Rambi, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, and thank all of you for listening today too. You can drop us a line on Twitter at The Omni Show. You can also find out everything that's happening with The Omni Group at omnigroup.com slash blog. 